0: What's going on? Alex Schlinski here for the Get More Clients show. And I'm so excited to bring up my favorite topic today, Brian. Sales. Brian's gonna to try to reel me in today so we don't do a four and a <laughs> half hour show um, because I can talk nonstop on sales, which is uh, dangerous. And I will try my very hardest not to do that. Um, but I promise I'll give you a lot of value today. Uh, and Brian's gonna be dropping some fire as well on offers and creating systems that will actually work to sell. As I already said, I'm always joined by my co-host, Brian Downard. Brian, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Like you said, got an upcoming honeymoon. I'm feeling good, and uh, I'm
1: excited to see what you share around this topic. This is your zone of genius, and people here hanging out, watching, and listening are going to get a lot of value. So for those of you who are a little bit newer here uh, and you're just watching this either as a clip or the full episode, great. Either way, we have both options available. We will have the best moments from the show chopped up and shared with you. If you want and you're getting a lot of value from this consider subscribing to the youtube channel or on spotify or apple podcast if you really like it leave a review that'll help us reach more people this is only episode four there's a lot more content coming your way but today like i said going to be value packed so let's dive right on in i'm actually going to start us off today very excited about that because alex will take away most of the pieces around actually selling your offer I want to talk about the offer itself, the foundational pieces you need in order to effectively sell. So I've got my notes up here. Let's dive in and talk about it. The biggest mistake I see agency owners make with their offer is they are just selling what everyone else is selling. They're just selling Facebook ads or lead gen or SEO. And the service you provide is not your offer. Your offer is the outcome you can actually produce for one of your clients. So how many leads how many appointments how many clients how much increase in revenue how much time save. there's a couple of different um basically three different pieces you should consider that your offer solves or accomplishes for your clients we actually call these elements a conversion based offer and that would be either increased revenue saving time or operational efficiency so like for us Creating content's been difficult because there's a lot of things going on in our business. So we've made pretty large investments in creating content like this to be chopped up into a lot of pieces and then distributed across all the platforms, not necessarily direct ROI or time-saving, actually a little bit of both, but the actual outcome and promise of the offer was operational efficiency, which for us is extremely important. So you really have to ask yourself, and for the majority of agency owners, it's going to be a revenue based, you know, increase or a revenue focused offer where you're going to help your clients get more leads, more clients themselves. That's typically what you're doing. But consider the other elements as well. Now, once you've kind of started there, okay, what is the actual outcome of my offer where do you go next? Because as you're selling this to a potential client, they don't care if it's Facebook ads or SEO or a monkey spinning a sign on a corner, they want the outcome, right? So have that focused outcome. But now, how do you describe it to them and what the actual process looks like without coming off as either too um, too much as, let I me mean, back that up, either going too deep into the weeds and sharing a lot of buzzwords or things that might confuse them, or get them frustrated that, look, I've tried Facebook ads with four other people and it hasn't worked. This is the trick right here. You create a unique name, basically your unique mechanism for solving your client's issues. Now, even if it's very similar to what a lot of other people are doing out there, Facebook ads, landing pages, email nurture sequences, etc the idea is it's really simple. Give it a unique name. Now, what we like to do is pick a roughly a four letter word relative to your industry that can be turned into an acronym. So for example, the open technique, O P E N, all different letters you could use as an acronym, but it doesn't have to be an acronym. We have clients in the roofing space who their unique method is the roof X system. So it doesn't have to necessarily be an acronym, but the point is you're defining a unique name, carving out your own intellectual property, which not only establishes you as an expert because you have your own, uh, angle and approach to doing something for your clients, but it also shows that look, you're not just a me too. It's not just the fact that, oh, we do Facebook ads and lead gen. No, we have the open technique where we have thoughtfully curated these specific elements that make this work. So let's talk about this last piece of the offer, basically three parts. I'll summarize them here in a second, but. The next part would be your three to four step process for actually achieving this. Now, this is where I want you to challenge yourself to act as if you were explaining this to a child. I do not want any buzzwords. I don't want you going deep down the rabbit hole, showing them like how the ads work and how the bidding works and all the pieces of like the audiences you build. They don't care about that stuff. They want the simple version of how you're going to get them from point A to point B now I like to think about this a little bit like a roadmap or a road trip. If you're in Los Angeles and you wanna to go to New York, what are the major pit stops along the way you wanna hit? And consider your client in that same journey, they're in LA, they wanna to get to New York as the destination, but what are the important milestones they need to hit along that journey? Let's take this back to an actual real world example of like an agency. So you wanna take a client who has, You know 10 to 20 clients per month and you want to double that for them what are the milestones they need to hit they need to audit what they're currently doing and identify their lowest hanging fruit develop the strategies and systems needed to start running ads nurture those leads have an appointment center so the elements that your unique service and offer comprise of needs to be compiled into this whole package with a nice pretty bow on it that becomes your ultimate offer so let me quickly recap that three things that are important not just the service that you do, but what is the outcome you provide? What is the name of your unique system or offer? And what is a three, four, maybe five step process that you could simply explain that to someone through? Now, there's a couple of other things I wanna talk about here, and I'm gonna kick this over to Alex to talk about uh, one of these last very important pieces of your offer. But two more things on my end. We kind of, I'm gonna go back a little bit where we were talking about this idea of a conversion-based offer. And you really need to be asking yourself, is your offer a need to have or a nice to have? Because if it's just a nice to have, it's very easy for when someone has a little bit of a road bump in their business or the economy dips down or there's a worldwide pandemic for you to be one of the first things on their line item list that gets thrown out the window because you're not a need to have. You need to have services and offers that allow you to anchor yourself to a business for a long term and not something that they're just going to want to throw to the side as soon as there's one little hiccup so consider that for sure if you're doing something that's just a nice to have look at what you can do to make that more focused on generating revenue saving time or increasing operational efficiency the last thing i want to talk about when it comes to your offer is pricing Now we're going to actually go a lot deeper on this in a future episode, but I want you to consider the idea of value based pricing. This is the concept of your prices are based on the ultimate value you could bring to someone. So let's say you can make someone an extra $10,000 a month. What we like to typically do is a, irresistible offer, as we call it, would be a 1 to 5 return and a no brainer offer, like it makes perfect sense, would be a 1 to 10 return. Now you can sell offers that are more like a a 1 to 2 or 1 to 3 return. Those are a little bit harder to sell because they have other costs in their business. They don't just want a little bit of an ROI, they want a big ROI. So that's the easiest way to start doing it. If you can make them 10 grand, you can comfortably charge $1,000, no problem all the way up to $2,000 pretty comfortably within that context of a five to one, 10 to one return. Now, if we're talking more about operational efficiency and time saving, that still saves people a lot of money. So you have to understand what your offer is, is it money, time, or efficiency? And then through your sales conversation, have that discussion around either money made or time saved, but what that time saved is worth in terms of money so when you get to your actual price of your offer, it's anchored against the value your client receives for this. So we're gonna go a lot deeper on this, but it's very important you consider uh, that element as well as a little quick aside, what does it actually cost you to fulfill the offer? Typically we wanna see around 40% profit margins, ideally a little bit higher, but that would mean it costs you no more than 60% of what you charge to fulfill that actual offer. So there's a ball, there's a gray area in between here with if you know it costs you six hundred dollars to fulfill and the bare minimum you can charge is a thousand dollars and the bare minimum a client could have in terms of an roi at a thousand dollars would be five thousand that's that one to uh ten one to five return there so just kind of keep these numbers in the back of your mind as you're going through creating and crafting your offer but this is the first and most important piece around actually effectively selling is what are you selling so alex I'm going to kick it over to you to talk about the idea of risk mitigation and guarantees when it comes to your offer, because this as a piece or an addition to your offer can make a big difference in getting someone over that finish line.
0: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, that was really valuable insight. And again, we wanted to make sure on the sales conversation show that we brought to the table, we wanted to make sure that you had at least some preface and understanding how to curate an effective offer because you can have all the great sales techniques in the world, models, frames, scripts, team, uh, everything that you do is just incredible, but if you don't have an effective, irresistible offer, a unique IP packaged appropriately. You can't really sell because you don't have something to sell. Uh, so anything else I would teach you here is worthless. And that's why we had Brian kick it off kind of focusing first and foremost on the frame of what you need to create, what offer needed to build an irresistible offer in order to sell. So, you know, we have an irresistible offer masterclass and a sales masterclass, and we're talking about the high level stuff in this show. So we can give you the secret sauce you need, but that IP product that that Brian's talking about, that open method technique, every single person we work with utilizes it. It's immensely powerful and valuable. And now what we're going to do is kind of fast forward to the end. So we started with the prerequisite beginning of your sales process. I'm going to talk about what to do in your sales calls to do the lauded one call close and sales psychology needed. But I just wanna talk about the end of the sales call because it's still very relevant specifically to the offer itself, which is risk mitigation. And I'll break this down pretty simply. Risk mitigation is the idea of assuming risk, either you or the client, when you are making an offer. Specifically in marketing or coaching programs, that's usually going to be one of three options. The first option is no guarantee. Now, if you're offering zero guarantee, that means the client assumes all the risk and thus there is no risk mitigation. Now, this is not a black and white rule. Brian, nor myself, or anyone online should tell you, you must have risk mitigation in order to work. If you've been in this industry for a long time, you have an overwhelming amount of proof, and that's kind of in a subjective opinion of what overwhelming is. It's like if you have a testimonial page that you have to like scroll for like three hours on, that's overwhelming enough, you know? That's overwhelming enough. If you have an overwhelming amount of proof, you don't have to have risk mitigation in terms of a guarantee because the mitigation of the risk is that you're an expert that you have proof to back this up and it's a no-brainer that they should work with you the second level of risk mitigation is the satisfaction guarantee which is my personal favorite and i'm going to just skip over it for one second to talk about the most common and most dangerous type of risk mitigation which is in fact the money-back guarantee now you see money-back guarantee in a lot of other uh, business models like Car repair shops a lot of times will have a 100% satisfaction or money back guarantee. Um, Some restaurants that are really kind of risky have a money back guarantee. These are uh, some grocery stores have money back guarantee. In an agency world, in the coaching space, doing the money back guarantee, meaning you assume all of the risk. If you hit this KPI or don't hit this KPI, you have to pay them their, their money back. It's just too risky. You're assuming too much of the risk for risk mitigation and the entire purpose of why we're bringing this up on this show is how much risk mitigation on the timeline of risk mitigation. I think I've said risk mitigation more times in this one little five minute clip than I've ever said before in my life. What's in the timeline of risk mitigation to actually get someone to think this is enough for me to make the sale and I want to make this offer and and actually buy from you? the highest level again this money back guarantee is too risky it's the idea of simply saying if i do not hit this agreed upon kpi within this time frame i'll pay you your money back meaning like brian was talking about the cost of you doing the service actually paying team to do it and also the time in which it took you to do the service if you can't hit this promised kpi you have to pay them their money back but they can't pay you their time back and you also can't uh, get your team to pay you back so you're already way in the hole My recommendation is just never use a money back guarantee. It's not worth it to make a sale. It's not worth it. And it's not effective for client retention either. It creates a negative expectation setting of like, we're going to assume every single risk for you and go from there. Now, there is one exception that I want to bring up very, very briefly here. And that's the e-commerce exception. Now, this is not a recommendation that I have. It's just a note because some of you out there who do e-com will say, but I do all the prospecting and I do all the sales. It shouldn't I have a money back guarantee? I'd still say do a satisfaction guarantee, but I wanted to preface this so I can clarify. The reason why most marketing agencies or coaches or consultants wouldn't do a money-back guarantee is because you don't have control of the final lever of the business. Every business has three core levers, prospecting, lead generation, sales, converting leads into clients, that's what really we're discussing here today, and then fulfillment, providing the service, okay? And most businesses in the marketing space provide some marketing and a little bit of sales support, meaning you bring a lead to a roofer and the roofer has to close the deal. If your money back guarantee is that we're gonna get you five re-roofs a month and you provide them with 50 leads and they can't close shit, that's not your fault. You shouldn't have to pay them money back. It doesn't make any sense. In e-commerce though, the only industry that does this, you're actually doing the prospecting and sales for them because it's a drop shipping service or you're buying something on the actual uh, app itself and if it's hard to make your sale and you're struggling but you know for a fact you can sell them with a money-back guarantee because you control prospecting and sales you can go for it i still wouldn't recommend it but i wanted to clarify that so that's kind of the note on no uh, risk mitigation no guarantee and then the money-back guarantee let's quickly talk about the satisfaction guarantee my favorite guarantee of all and the best for your sales process the satisfaction guarantee essentially means this. You make a promise that you'll hit a certain KPI within a certain time frame, or you will work for free at no cost until that KPI is hit. Now, what you wanna to do to, to create this, this satisfaction guarantee is simply go back to the last five, 10, 20 campaigns you've run and get an average KPI. Let's say, for example, you work with med spas, and on average, you provide them with 10 butts in seats every single month, your risk mitigation, your satisfaction guarantee should be that you promise five guaranteed butts in seats every month because it gives you wiggle room and you know you're going to hit it. You don't want to build a satisfaction guarantee, and this is where a lot of newbies screw up, based on the KPI that you actually hit consistently right on that number. Meaning if you hit 10 consistently butts and seats, that's the number you're going to use for your satisfaction guarantee. At some point, you're gonna go under that number. It's just going to happen. Give yourself wiggle room. So just to use one more example, if you work with realtors and you provide them 30 booked appointments a month, make your satisfaction guarantee 20 booked appointments per month, right? It's a subjective opinion, but you wanna go lower than what your actual standard KPI is. Now again, let's fast forward and say, you finished a month working with a a realtor where you promised 20 appointments. If you only hit 18, they do not pay you their management fee. You ask them and tell them this before the sales calls finish, that they have to invest in the rest of the ad spend, but will not be charged management until we hit this guarantee that we promise. That way it showcases I'm willing to assume some risk, you're willing to assume some risk. And most importantly, expectation setting wise, our victory is not getting paid by you, it's in getting you the results. That's why we're putting this on a satisfaction guarantee, not saying, well, look, we only hit 18, you gotta pay us again. That's not what we want. So that's the risk mitigation strategy. We shared with you the preemptive model of what you need to have with your offers, and we shared with you the opportunity to actually use risk mitigation. Let's talk about sales at the highest level and i'll break this down for you in a simple format that i promise will be really valuable the first thing i just want to say on this is if you're watching this video and there's not scripts on the screen notice this I don't want you doing scripts. If you are a robot salesperson and you're struggling to convey who you are and what you bring to the table in a conversational, consultative approach, you're not gonna be able to sell efficiently. People do not wanna be put into boxes of scripts because we can smell it from 100 miles away. No one wants that feeling on the other end. Think about it yourself right now. You can press pause on this video if you like and think, when was the last time I was on a sales call where I really felt that this person wasn't communicating with me. They were just trying to do check boxes of every question they had and identifying if I could pay them or not. That's not a really comfortable feeling being a prospect. Put yourself in the prospect's shoes and ultimately be there to serve them. Sales is a service it's not like the movies it's not like glen glary Glenn ross it's not like uh, wolf on wall street it's not that model it's how you can support someone and take them from the point of pain to solution and if you can provide it you give them some insight appetizer on the call and then they pay for the full course meal that's the entire idea of sales and if you don't do it this way you're gonna really struggle to close deals at the highest level there's also three core tenets of sales that I want to talk about that's immensely important and valuable. It's the words in which you say, the tone in which you say them, and then the visual component. If you are doing sales only on the phone right now, you're completely missing out on at least 33.3333, an ongoing percent of the business opportunity in the sales call. You must have a visual component and the easiest visual component is what brian brought up earlier which is simply having a graphic of your irresistible offer saying no i don't offer google ads i offer the case method i offer the grow method the loan method the x system i couldn't even come up with another one but you get the idea right it's pretty simple even just that with the ascension promise at the top is the key. And I want to talk about this idea of Ascension Promise before we break down the system for how you actually do a sales call. The Ascension Promise is the result. It's the actually going to be what you're getting them. You have to sell the result, not the process to get there. Like Brian was talking about with the LA to New York model, the milestones are important. So, you know, there's a logical framework, which I'll be talking about in the psychology aspect of this call, but they don't normally care about that. Similar when you go to a restaurant and you buy something at the restaurant, you probably don't care about the recipe unless you're someone that's really detailed about what you're eating or have some sort of uh, diet issue, right? You just want the steak. You don't necessarily care how it's cooked or prepared. You just want the steak. In this same scenario, a lot of your audience just wants more clients, more money, time saved, not how you do it but showing them how you do it while selling the result is how you get that right mix to get people to be interested in what you're bringing to the table. Let's talk at a high level of what you need to do in sales. This is my one call close process. This is how I go about it. I just wanna state a couple things because when I go into this, I think some people get really nervous. If you are not closing in one call, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. If you use my model and still can't close in one call, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. What I'm expressing in the One Call Close framework is as simple as this. I want you to be comfortable with qualifying and making an offer on the same call. It's rampant in the coaching and marketing space right now that people do this discovery call thing where they'll get on a call for 15 minutes, ask five questions, then say, can I do a demo with you? I hate this model. I think it completely disrespects your time and the prospect's time, and it will reframe the way you think if you understand where I'm coming from. If you get on a call with someone, there's two front end frames I want you to utilize to do this one call close. The first is the time result frame and the next is the why are you on this call frame. And that second one, the why are you on this call frame is really the key. I'm going to start there and then I'll jump back to the time result frame. The why are you on this call frame is positioning to this client that the most valuable asset they have and you have is what they're giving you right now both people when they get on a sales call the seller and the sellee i don't think that's a word but we'll go with it the prospect essentially right are really thinking that at the end of the day the most valuable asset they have is the credit card that you're trying to get at the end of the call when you reframe this both in your mind and in theirs that they're already giving you the most valuable asset in their time Which none of you can argue you can't buy more time every single person in the planet has 24 hours a day no matter how wealthy you are no matter how much money you have you cannot buy more time so if you frame it in this frame this model hey brian Like I said, really appreciate you giving me your time. It's the most valuable asset you have, and I'm grateful that, frankly, you're speaking to an online stranger. I want to make sure I deliver for you on this call. I want to make this worth your time no matter what. Can you please tell me what you're hoping for specifically on this call so I can deliver? When you frame it that specific way, the why frame, the second frame on the call, when you do that, again, it transitions your own mindset that it's not the credit card that you want. You're already getting their valuable asset and it makes the one call close process much easier and will forever stop you from doing, in frankly, my opinion, the dumb ass discovery call process. You don't have to do two separate calls. Okay, don't get me on my soapbox. I'm gonna start getting heated. We don't have to do that. We're just gonna keep it chill, all right? But that's the frame. Just to kind of close this loop, the time result frame is just a simple frame that you wanna utilize, just so that you make sure you don't get the worst objection in sales, which is, oh, uh, Brian, how much longer is this gonna be? I only got five minutes. Oh my God, the dumbest possible objection, okay? And then the result, again, this is maybe even the worst objection, I don't know how people can have this still, but some people do. Um, you were gonna make an offer on this call? I didn't, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. So this is the time result frame. Brian, I really appreciate you jumping on the call with me. We'll chat probably like 20, 30 minutes or so. Just want to learn more about your business, see how I can help you. Uh, I saw that you came from an ad uh, and I'd love to be able to support you on blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ultimately on this call, I'll ask you some questions about your business. I'll try to give you insights on the things that I can help you with now and also see if there's a fit that we can work together moving forward. Does that sound good to you? confirmation of the frames. That means they gave you that amount of time allotted and they understand there'll be an offer. Now the key is with that frame, you don't want to just express this idea of like, I'm here to chat with you for 20 minutes and qualify you for my offer. No one wants to be treated like that. They're not like a caged animal. They are a human being and they need support and you have to help them. Okay, so that's just a quick rundown. I want to break down the high level model of the one called close pretty simple, easy to understand. I call it the bridge concept. It's so simple to understand and you can use this on your calls if you want, but this is how I break down the frameworks. Think of it as a bridge. Okay. So currently you're on one side of the bridge. This is where the client is right now. They want to be on the other side of the bridge. That's their goal. There's some gap, some obstacle withholding them from going from here to there. Your job on the call is to identify what that gap is. Okay. And if you can solve it. And if you can solve it, then you can feel comfortable to make them an offer. We call this the three W's. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And what's the obstacle holding you back? Now, there's one more W that you do want to consider so that you don't get an objection later on in the call. And if you can pre-handle objections, you make a huge advantage for yourself long-term. And this would be Though, what is the urgency? Now the urgency objection, or sorry, the urgency frame can be a challenge for many people. So I wanna just break this down for you. Let's just say I make up an example of the three Ws. Let's do it right now. So Brian, you're telling me that your gym is currently bringing in about five new uh, martial arts students every single month. You like to triple that because of the new holiday season and get to 15 new clients a month. And the biggest obstacle you noted currently is that most of your new clients are coming from referrals and you haven't figured out how to get new business in outside of that is that right confirmation the next question you would ask is about urgency okay so you want to go from 5 to 15 understood how soon are you looking to do this because if you say i want it tomorrow like no matter what magic marketing pixie dust i spread i can't do it tomorrow and if you say i want this in six months i don't know if we're on the same page because I'm looking to partner with someone in city, in Atlanta right now to provide our blank method that will help you grow your martial arts studio. Why are you trying to get this five to 15 model and how soon are you trying to do that as well? That's the urgency frame, really simple. This framework of utilizing the one call close model of the bridge concept, the three W's is the easiest way to successfully build out a one call close frame. Once you have those W's, the next thing you do, very simply, is restate them just like I did, and then transition to the offer with confidence, just like this. Brian, super confident I can help you. Really appreciate the time. If you can give me another 15, 20 minutes, I can show you our process, show you what we can do, but I know we can get you this result. Do you want this result? I do. Awesome. Let's talk about it. And then you start going into the offer frameworks that is the simple simple model for the one call close process i know it seems complicated but it's actually very very simple when you execute it without scripts just being you before we talk about the actual payment model itself i just want to talk about the sales psychology and then brian's going to dive into the sales deck just a bit before we close out today's show The sales psychology element is really valuable. And I wanted to preemptively bring this up to you about this 1950s psychoanalytic theory by a psychoanalyst, Eric Byrne, really valuable to consider. Most of you probably have heard of Sigmund Freud. Eric Byrne is another really uh, renowned psychoanalyst. And he posited this idea of transactional analysis. And we're getting really deep here, but it's really interesting. Transactional analysis essentially says that you are speaking to three ego states at one time with every person you communicate with. And we call this the PAC model. The PAC model is parent, adult and child. These are the three ego states that everyone you're speaking to, including your family, your friends, your prospects, your boss, etc, are actually utilizing all at once. The parent are naturally skeptical, right? To overcome skepticism in sales, you must show proof of success testimonials, bold claims to back up or results to back up your bold claims and risk mitigation, like we spoke about earlier. The adult ideally are logical thinkers. That's why we have the method to show them your process so that when you hit them with a bold claim, you can show there's a logical framework to doing it, not just a hope and praying that we're throwing things at a dartboard to achieving this transformational outcome. And the final one is the child, those childlike dreams, not logic, not parent skepticism, but more emotionally driven, identifying their childlike goals and helping them manifest those goals through your system, right? It's really taking them from a place of business logic, business skepticism to a place of this result can transform your life in the way that you're looking for. That simple model, the PAC model, will really help you build out your positioning in your sales calls so much more effectively. It allows you to be more empathetic in your sales. It allows you to showcase how you can really and truly support someone instead of just focusing on how can I shove this offer down their throat and get paid. This is super key and effective for long-term sales psychology and being successful in your closes. Now, before I kick it over to Brian, the last thing I'm gonna cover here is itself the getting paid on the phone and closing the actual deal. So once we've gone through the three W's and we transition into the actual offer, you start again with the essential promise. We're taking you here. This is the result of our program. Do you want this? You must get confirmation. Otherwise it's it's not worth it, right? Yes, I want this. You then show them the three to five step logical framework while seed planting confirmation statements of, remember, the burden's on us for us to do this, this is the recipe how we get this done, we just wanna show it to you so you know we have proof of how we do this, that logical model, again, so that you overcome the adult model of the PAC process, that's 1950s psychoanalytic theory called transactional analysis. Once you're done showing the sequence of what you do, you must confirm the value of the service. Hey, Brian, now that you see what we do with the open method, now that you know we're gonna get you 20 book deployments every single month, what do you think about this? Do you see the value in this? Is this what you want implemented in your business? You must separate this variable of value and price. Otherwise, if you combine them, you're never gonna be able to sell efficiently, efficiently. Then you wanna show more proof to back up the idea and make sure they understand there's actual proof to achieving this result. Okay. Show ROI in a conservative way. Meaning we said we're going to get you 20 book deployments. Let's imagine for the sake, we only got you half of that and it was 10. And from there, you only closed 50% instead of what you said was going to be 70. So we're being ultra conservative. Each one of those are worth $1,000 to you. That's going to be $5,000. Now, this could be, if we're not being conservative, could be up to 10 or even $15,000. And in order to implement our grow method, which will be 20 booked appointments every single month, guaranteed with no risk to do this, to do this, to do this deliverables, it's only going to be an investment of 2497, all inclusive. And here's the really important part that you have to do, tell them to do it. It's 24, seven, it's 2497, all inclusive, no hidden fees, 20 guaranteed book deployments with no risk. This is exactly what you're looking for, exactly why you got on this call. I think you should do this and I'd love the chance to work with you. That is the key. That is the one call close framework. And as soon as they say yes, no proposal garbage, no sending emails, nothing. Say, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take your first invoice here on this call. We're gonna set up our kickoff call and go from there. Lastly, before I kick it to Brian, one very important rule at the end of every call. No matter what happens, you always must book a follow-up call. If you get paid, you book the kickoff call, or if you wanna call it the onboarding call, that's fine. If you don't get paid, you book a follow-up call. These are absolutely critical. If they wanna think about it, you can get a deposit, hold their place in line, have it be refundable. You schedule the kickoff call. And if they wanna be refunded, you do it. If not, you take the rest of the investment and go from there. That is my entire spiel of the one call closed model. I know it's a lot to take in, but I promise it's really valuable. If you want more detail on this, like I said, we have an hour and a half masterclass on this. I tried to trim it to 30 minutes, which it's hard for me to do, but I hope you find value in this. Before we go, I just wanted Brian to be able to touch on the sales deck elements as well, which I think is really valuable. So Brian, you can take it away. Hope you guys found that valuable.
1: Awesome, yeah, thanks man. That was, as always, awesome. Very good, and round of applause for uh, keeping it under 30 minutes. Just to confirm, I do wanna have you cover some sales objections before we hop off. Sure. Cool, all right. So I'm gonna just spend a few minutes here talking about what your sales deck should actually include in it. Now, I want to be very clear before I actually talk about the sales deck. Just because you have a demo with someone and um, you've got that call, the sales call, quote unquote, scheduled doesn't mean you just pull out the demo deck and show it to them. You have to go through the process Alex was just describing to confirm first if there is a need and interest. That is the three W's. Where are you at now? Where do you want to go? What are the challenges? Don't just pull your sales deck out and pitch it to someone because they feel just gross and like that they are being sold something they have no interest or want. in. you have to confirm that need and desire first, then you can pull out the sales deck. So I'm going to cover six very specific uh, elements that I want you to include in your sales deck. The first thing is your result or your Ascension promise. We talked about this already. That should be the very first thing. What is the outcome you are hoping to produce here for them? First element, very important next element. And this can sort of be sprinkled throughout the presentation, but I typically want to see this front loaded and back loaded. So definitely put towards the front and towards the end. But your proof, what do you have in terms of actual results? What clients have you worked with? What are their testimonials? What are they saying? What are their results? And if you don't have that just yet, this is where I recommend going and partnering up with a white label service provider. So, someone who will actually do the results, or I'm sorry, do the work and get the results on behalf of your clients. And you can leverage their past results and experience in your sales deck and on your sales calls if you're worried about not having that yet on your own. The next couple of pieces here are going to be what is the unique offer framework? Again, going all the way back to the beginning of this, if you're just catching this now or catching a clip of this, please go back and watch how we actually structure your offer. You want a piece of your sales deck that will show them visually what is the three to four step journey, the roadmap you're going to take them on so they have an understanding of what that actually looks like. The next one, this is actually very commonly used in video sales letters and webinars, but the idea of the common problems and solutions and then the shifts that people should be making in their business. So I'll give you an example. One of them for realtors might be, Hey, so one of the common problems is sharing leads. You have Zillow and you have to share leads with every other realtor. When someone opts in the solution and the shift you need to make is starting to generate your own exclusive leads where you own the contact information and Zillow or third party doesn't own that. So start to think, You can also, if you want to frame in your mind, what is the old way versus the new way of doing things and start to get your clients thinking critically and acknowledging and nodding their head. Yes, you're right. I am currently doing things this way. It sucks. It's broken. I need a better path. And then showing them and aligning with your offer, that that is the solution, the switch that they can make in their life, in their business to achieve the outcomes they want. So very, very important to have that last two slides would be what is the ROI or risk reversal? Alex talked uh, briefly about this as well, but doing that calculation on the call with them and what is this actually worth to them? What do they have the potential to earn so you can anchor that against the actual uh, price of your service? And of course, if you have any t- type of guarantee, satisfaction guarantee is the one to go with having that in the deck as well. Of course, what does the investment include that? And the final piece is what happens next. Set the expectation and the tone for the relationship to get them excited that, hey, if you make an investment right now or in the near future, this is exactly what happens next. So you can get them thinking about where they're going and get them excited about that. So those are the really six important elements you need in your sales deck. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Start with a couple of words, a couple of images, throw it into a deck. You can make it better as you go. Do not be a perfectionist here. You will optimize and make that sales deck better by practicing it, putting it into use, and getting coaching support from people like us on how to actually improve that and make it better. So I'm going to kick it back over to Alex for the final piece of this episode, which is just how to handle a couple of common objections. So, Alex, why don't we pick like two or three of the most common objections people get and how to deal with them?
0: Absolutely. And Brian, that was so valuable and really good stuff that you shared. I appreciate it, as always, that you shared kind of these like insights here on how to build out this process more effectively. Like I said, the visual component is really, really important. Um, let's talk a little bit about objections. I specifically just want to focus first on five elements, variables that you have to isolate for the one call close. Number one is the decision maker. You can do this at the beginning of the call by expressing, hey, Brian, is there anyone else on this meeting in your marketing team that either makes decisions or implements so that we can make sure that they're on this call as I go through it? Does that mean every single time that you'll get someone to join you on the call at that time? No, but it's just a good way to make sure that you at least dot your I's, cross your t's. Just a reminder, there's no abracadabra objection handling solution. It's not like uh, if you say the right words with the appropriate tone, magically, Brian will go into his pocket, pull out his credit card and give you the details. It's not how it works. What you have to do is make sure you do everything in your power to check all the boxes in objection handling to ensure you can get the deals closed the way you want them to. The number two variable to isolate is time, the why now, the urgency frame. I already shared with you how to do that earlier. Again, you just wanna ask them, why do you wanna go from here to there in this time frame, Give me some clarity on that. Number three is the yes, no decision frame. Now, before you get to your offer, you can frame something along these lines. Hey, Brian, as I go through this, I'm going to share with you our four-step process to achieving 20 new patients every single month for your med spa. And I'd love to bring it to your attention. I think it's a great fit for you. Just want to ask you something up front if you're okay with it. I want you at the end of this to say one of two things. yes, I love this. I hope you say that. Or no, it's not right for me. You're allowed to say that. It's totally okay. Can you get, can I get you to agree to that? That's a yes, no frame. It's really powerful. It works really well. Number four is the value. I said earlier, again, you must separate the value and the price. When you show the framework, you tell them the ascension promise and you finish it. Say, do you see the value in this? Well, what's the price before we get to the price? Do you want this implemented? Great. And then finally the price and the investment, which again, ROI, deliverables, result, no risk, price, offer, tell them to do it. Simple, quick five variables to do. The only other thing I wanna talk about here, I'm gonna cover a couple objections. There's just one high level thought here about the feel felt found method. This is like a classic sales technique, classic objection handling. Um, It's a good way to kind of handle any objection if you feel comfortable with it and I'll break it down how it works. So this is for any objection, you could say it this way, Brian, I understand how you feel, Other people that I've spoken to have felt the same way. What i found is this. Very simple frame, works incredibly well. But again, if you don't do it with confidence, you'll sound like a robot sales guy and I need oil, right? You'll kind of break up. You don't want that. You want it to come off naturally. If that doesn't sound natural to you, do not use it. Personally, I never use the feel, felt, found method. That doesn't mean in so many words I say other things. It just means that's not something I specifically say. Let's talk about some of the most common one call close objections. The biggest one more than likely is I need to think about it or talk to my life or business partner about it or my cat or my dog. That last part was kind of a joke. Here's all you have to say. Totally understand where you're coming from. I respect that you wanna consult with everyone else on your team to ensure that this is the right fit for you. Let me first ask this. If this was your decision solely, which I'm not forcing you to make the decision. If this was your decision solely, Would you say yes, we're we're moving forward together? Because if you say anything other than yes, consulting with the rest of the team isn't going to do anything. I have more work to do. When they say yes, that's check mark one. The next thing you do is say, why don't we do this? Why don't you get them on the phone with us now? Or mute yourself, talk to them, and I'm right here. I would hate for you to jump off this call, do 500 other tasks, and forget what we spoke about, and then we don't have the same energy we had last time. Pretty simple, easy way to handle the objection. That's the same way you would handle the think about it objection. Hey, look, I'm totally cool with what you want to think about. I'm not closing the door. We have time here. If you have another 15 minutes, why don't you just give yourself some space? Mute me, turn your video off, write down any questions you have. Let's talk it out. I'm not rushing or pushing you. There's no fake urgency or scarcity. Do this when you feel comfortable. Pretty easy. I need to see a proposal or do you have proof to back it up? That's why you have, again, the social media posts, uh, social media, the the social proof posts, the case studies, et cetera. If they say, I wanna speak to a current client, which is another pretty common objection, you would say something along these lines like, Hey, completely understand, just so you know, my clients end up signing an NDA so that I do not share their info with them unsolicited. And I also don't want my clients to have to sell on my behalf. When you become our client and are crushing it with us, I wouldn't want you to have to sell on my behalf. It's why I have the social posts. But if this is an absolute stopgap for you 100%, we can try to work something out. But I don't think it's needed because I have so much proof to back it up. These are just some of the really common objections that you see, and you can use the feel-felt file model for any of them, um, but that's essentially some of the best objection handling you can get. That is our show for today. I really hope you enjoyed it. Brian and I worked our tush off to get this to work because we were having internet problems all week, but we're really excited about it. Brian, anything you want to sign off with?
1: No, I think all of this episode was a great high-level overview of some of the important elements of your sales process. We will for sure be doing additional episodes where we go in-depth on each one, objection handling, uh, crafting your offer. Definitely going to go deeper there. I just wanted everyone towards the first part of the beginning of this series to have some of the higher-level concepts in their back pocket. So go run with these, use them. Can't thank you enough for giving us your time today. Again, if you enjoyed this, Hit that subscribe button on YouTube uh, or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're watching it from, and we will see you in episode number five.